0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank God because I hear of your love for all the saints and for your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. Amen. Here's to the crazy ones we see genius. Because the people who think they are crazy enough to change the world are the ones who do. These words may seem very familiar to some of you. And they probably would sound even more familiar if you heard them in the voice of the actor Richard Dreyfus, who did the voiceover for this classic ad campaign for Apple computers back in 1997, well before the iPhone made it into any of our hands. And yet, this was an ad campaign that never once showed or referenced its product. Instead, the one-minute ad featured black and white footage of 17 people from throughout the 20th century who were seen as thinking differently. Everyone from Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King, Maria Callas, and Martha Graham, Richard Branson, and Jim Henson. And then, as the voiceover ends, the screen fades to black and two simple words appear in white text Think different. Paul is calling on Philemon to think different, to do something countercultural, or to be more grammatically correct than Apple, Paul is calling on Philemon to think differently. And even more than that, Paul is calling on Philemon to love differently. Instead of just treating people well who we think may be of some benefit to us, people useful to us, people who make us feel comfortable and safe, Paul is calling on Philemon to live out Christ-shaped kind of love. In today's epistle, we read Paul's entire letter to Philemon, except, well, two more verses. It's the only one of Paul's letters included in the Bible that is addressed to an individual rather than to an entire community. It's a letter from Paul to Philemon, who was described as a partner in the gospel with Paul in the new church community being planted in the city of Colossae. While this letter is on one level, written from Paul to Philemon, he knows that in all likelihood, Philemon will share this letter with his family and the church that meets in their home. So there there must be something very special for us then in this letter between two friends and partners in ministry for it to have stood the test of time and when all was said and done to be included in our canon of Holy Scripture. Philemon was a person of means, enough means, to open his family's home to be used for church gatherings and of enough means to help financially support Paul's mission in Colossae. This is what Paul is getting at when he refers to Philemon as his partner in ministry. Of course, we hope that there was more to the partnership than giving material support. It's quite likely that Philemon and his family took on other responsibilities in the leadership of those following in the way of Jesus in their budding congregation. And so Philemon was a supporter and friend of Paul. But why? because they both shared a faith in Christ and both believed that their lives were changed and made utterly new through God coming down to be with us in Jesus. But Philemon was also a person of enough means to own slaves. Onesimus, whose name means useful, was a man who was enslaved to Philemon. Somehow, though the details are not clear in Paul's letter, Onesimus decided to leave Philemon's household without permission. Some speculate that he could have stolen some money. Others believe he may have had a disagreement with Philemon about some aspect of running the household. In any case, Onesimus left without permission, which for an enslaved person would have had quite serious consequences under the law. So now Onesimus has somehow ended up where Paul was, likely in Ephesus, where Paul was in prison. It's unlikely that these two men of such different social stations would have ended up in the same jail cell. And it's unlikely that two men with such close connections to Philemon would just happen to end up in the same place at the same time. Again, Bible scholars have many ideas about how they ended up together in Ephesus, but the scenario that seems most likely is that once Onesimus fled to Ephesus, He heard that Paul was still in prison there, and he sought out Paul to ask his help and advice. Now, Paul would have been someone Onesimus knew from Philemon's household, and they may even have known each other well, depending on Onesimus' particular role there. And whatever connection Paul and Onesimus had before was now strengthened through their mutual support for one another in a difficult time. So when he makes his appeal to Philemon, Paul describes Onesimus as being his child and being his heart. Paul and Onesimus, in spite of their very different life experiences and statuses within the culture, are bonded together in love, and all the more by being with one another during Paul's imprisonment and Onesimus' time as a runaway slave. So now Paul finds himself facing a dilemma. He knows the laws regarding runaway slaves. He knows that his partner Philemon doesn't have to show grace to Onesimus in this circumstance. And yet, Paul knows and believes that Philemon is under a law much greater than the laws of the Roman Empire. And so skilled persuader that he is, Paul decided to write a letter to Philemon, appealing not only to his loyalty to Paul, the apostle who shared the very gospel message that changed his life, but appealing to Philemon's sense of the grace that God had already extended to him in Christ. So what then did Philemon and Onesimus share? Paul was what Philemon and Onesimus both had in common. Both men, master and slave, were like sons in relationship to Paul. And all three men, Paul, Philemon, and Onesimus, were all equals as children of God. Paul, because he was in this father-to-son and brother-to-brother relationship with both Philemon and Onesimus, then became a channel for Christ's reconciling love to flow freely between Philemon and Onesimus, to flow freely between a master and a slave. And yet it is Philemon as the one with the legal power who must face a moment of truth. Will I do what the Roman law empowers me to do and punish Onesimus for his mistake in leaving my household without permission? Or will I do what God's love empowers me to do and not only take Onesimus back without punishment, but go a step further by recognizing his freedom in Christ and then giving him his freedom under the law as well? Paul is calling on Philemon to do something countercultural. He wants Philemon to think differently. And more than that, Paul is calling on Philemon to love differently. Like us, Philemon was called to live into this Christ-shaped kind of love. But what does that mean? It means to love Onesimus so much that it hurts to love him, so much that you want to give up all that you have for him, so much that you give up your control over him, your claim on him. Love Onesimus with a love that is so great that it doesn't make sense. Love Onesimus with a love that seems upside down. Love Onesimus even when it doesn't benefit you, even when it could mean you have to give up something important, your reputation, your standing in the community, to keep standing with him. Love Onesimus like I love him, says Paul. Love Onesimus like Jesus loves you. Love Onesimus like he is a part of you, like he is of your own heart. The very end of the Think Different ad, just after the series of crazy ones and misfits and rebels, and just before the screen fades to black, one more face is shown. But it's not anyone you'd recognize. It's the face of a young girl opening her eyes as if she has just blown out a birthday candle or a dandelion flower to make a wish. This girl symbolizes the rest of us, the normal, everyday people who, if we dare to follow in the footsteps of these daring misfits, and I would add, who dare to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, have the potential not just to make a wish that the world would be so transformed, but to actually act differently and courageously to make it so. As we reflect on our own responsibilities and relationships with one another, what would it look like for us to love others in the way that Paul urged Philemon to love Onesimus? To whom might we as a society be encouraged to show more extravagant grace? To whom might we as a church be urged to welcome into our worship services, our small groups, our community suppers, and even into our church leadership? To whom might we as individuals and families be called to extend extravagant forgiveness and mercy and love? Love one another like Jesus loves you. As Jesus himself taught us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those indebted to us. Love one another like Jesus loves you. So now when we look back at that think different litany, we can see beyond these outstanding people who changed the world in their own lifetimes to seeing how Jesus changed everything for every one of us forever. Jesus is the crazy one, the misfit, the rebel, the troublemaker, the ultimate square peg in a round hole. Fully human and fully divine, no one could see things more differently than Jesus. Jesus, who by his very incarnation, God and in human form, living and dying as one of us, upended the status quo. And yet, how often we try to ignore him push him aside, to push aside what he is calling us to and where he is calling us to go, to stick with what we're used to doing, to stick with where we're used to being, to stick with who we're used to being with. But just as Paul urged Philemon, so today I am urging myself just as I am urging you. Aspire to be like Jesus. Be a crazy one a misfit, a rebel, a troublemaker. Be a square peg in a round hole. Be someone who sees things differently. Be someone who sees people differently. Be someone who thinks differently. But more than anything, be someone who loves differently. Be someone who loves yourself and loves others extravagantly, like God and Jesus loves you. Amen.